Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Well, last week I started a talk um, from Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Let me read um, from it to you um, today, Matthew 28, the last kind of words of Jesus from verse 18 or verse 19. He says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the, of the age. Aren't you glad that he's with you always till the very end of the age? But this morning I want to talk to you because because really Jesus' final command, he expect, his expectation on his church is that it would be our highest priority and, and um, to go into the world and make disciples uh, right across the spectrum of what discipleship making is. Uh, what it assumes on, of course, is that we would be disciples. Those of us who are believers in Jesus, the assumption here is that we would be disciples. In fact, uh, you know, when Jesus made these statements, he assume, the assumption was that if you were a disciple, you were a believer and a follower. You're a believer in him and a follower of him, and they were inseparably linked. The early church never made a distinction between whether I was a believer or a follower. It's more a convenience to modern-day people who want to hold on to the hope of believing without the life of following, and, and really, it doesn't work like that. They're inseparable partners in this thing called being a disciple of Jesus. And so the Bible comes along. I gave a definition last week. Someone asked me about it afterwards and I forgot the first part, um, which is great. But it's easy to remember. My, uh, here's a simple definition for being a disciple. Um, we, we, we do what Jesus says and most of that do is found in here. We do what Jesus says. We live what Jesus did let me read it off the sheet. To be a disciple, because it says it better than I can say it. Where Jesus, when Jesus speaks, we listen. What Jesus did, we do. Where Jesus leads, we go. How good's that? That's so simple. I love that. It's because I just feel like I can live that. I can, what, what Jesus says, I do. Where, what Jesus did, we do. Sorry. Um, in all of our frailty, in all of our humanity, in all, it, it's not really about perfection. It, it's about direction. It's about, it's about the direction of, or intent of my heart, which is to follow after Jesus, because I'm not going to perfect it, right? You know that already, if you've ever spent more than an hour with me. You know that that is not going to happen. I haven't perfected the art. You haven't perfected the art. Vicky's pretty close. Um, Lee can confirm that for you, but most of the people in this room, we haven't perfected the art. It's not about perfection. That's why Jesus went to the cross, it's, but it is about direction and, and, and about the direction of my heart uh, that believes in and follows after God in, in that what Jesus says we, or what he speaks, we listen to, what he did, we do, and where he leads, we go. And, and so, so I remember driving through Tamworth back in 2001, and I felt like this thought in my heart, Darren, you're coming here for a long time and driving through just on a work trip and a couple of weeks later, a week later, I don't really remember it now, that I get a call down, will you pray about moving to Tamworth? So we packed up our stuff, we had nothing, we were broke, we were one year married and we moved to Tamworth. Talk about the best decision anybody ever made that they didn't come up with and that's how God works. 
When, when, when Jesus gives us something to, when he speaks and we listen, it always works out in our best interest. When he does what he did, we do, that is a game changer in our life and where he leads, we go, that will redefine everything. And so, so we kind of, that's being a follower of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but at different times, I mentioned this last week, there's tension around that for some people, this idea of being a disciple. Some people, they're overwhelmed by the thought of just trying to live that out. And then other people are like, yep, I'm in. I'm on with that. And so wherever you're up to today, I hope this message will help you move forward in that. Because what, what Jesus really wants, what God really wants, is us to be those who would go, yeah, I'm, I'm in. And we can work out the rest from there. But if I'm in in my heart, that's the direction I set. That is a game changer. And here are three things I help, think really help get us in line with this and on fire, if you want, with this. Number one, um, just a recognition of who it is that speaks here. Like, we're not talking about Josh Frydenberg, as important as the treasurer is. We're talking about Jesus, the eternal God who came in human form, who dwelt amongst us. What an extraordinary idea. Only God would come up with that. And he speaks at the end of his earthly ministry and says, come be my disciples and go and make disciples, just remembering who it is that speaks to us. Number two, just the high stakes of the human soul. I think that really helps me be a disciple of Jesus. When, whenever I've got my head in the right space around that, it, it just changes my approach to everything I go about just the high stakes of people's souls. And then third, um, let's write here that, that, that every believer is called to this. Every believer in this room is called to this mission in life. And the beauty is that actually um, God has a general plan for it as we go about our lives. He has a unique plan within it that is specifically designed for your life. And when we start to walk in the first and the second starts to unfold, there's actually just no better place to live. I, I tell you, the... the idea that you wake up every day feeling you live at the center of God's will is one of my great prayers and hopes and dreams for my life because what I know is when you start waking up there, it changes everything. I can't tell you the last time I thought about a long weekend and got excited or remembered that it was a long weekend. You know how most people remember. I always get told, oh, it's a long weekend this weekend, Darren. Why? Because as much as I love weekends, I'm not just living for it. I don't just wake up most mornings. There are days when obviously it's not like that. There are days when Benny Longmire causes me grief across my life and it's just hell. But, but most of the time, generally speaking, as you wake up walking in the general and as God unfolds his unique purpose for your life, there's something, that, there's something because you were born for that. We are wired for that. We are called to that. And it, and it finds its start here while everybody's living in this vague haze of what is the Father's will is this really clearly articulated direction that he, we start to walk in and then he bumps us into the way we should go. I would suggest to you that most of the time across my life, it's not that I've worked out his will, but that it's found me. And I'd be the same in your life too. Because God has a way of taking all the crossroads and all the threads and all the intersections on a thought he placed in your heart and in your mind and you wake up one day and go, oh, that really, that really was God. How did I end up here? And that's an incredible place to live. And this really is a pathway, the narrow way, which opens up that kind of, of future. And so let's, let's talk about it with the, the minutes we have. Here's a, here's, we started to talk last week about the go part of this message. So I just want to pick up there and keep moving forward. And I talked about the idea of, hey, just live life well. 
The Bible talks about this, living in a way that's attractive to outsiders, that they might be pointed to Jesus. Live this life well. should be something positively, even profoundly different about the life, the speech, the generosity, the way of the work ethic of a believer. I sat in a session last week. um, We were hosting some young leaders. And when I wasn't on, you usually go for a break, but we had the former CEO of Lexus there. I thought, well, I'm going to go to his session and sit with all the young guys. And he said, you know, you want to be a great Christian worker. He said, one of the things that I worked out that just moved my life along and I ended up being the CEO was I just turned up early and left late every day. He said, now, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad or work too hard. He said, but it'll make you unique in the workplace. What a great attitude. What a great Christian ethic to turn up early, slightly early, and leave a little late um, to the place where you work. I'll drink that later. Um, So, live life well. Number two, you know, tell your story. Story's powerful. Don't we love stories? Anyone got a Netflix account? Anyone got a Stan account? Anyone got both accounts? We love a story. Humanity loves a story. Jesus was a storyteller. And and, and so tell your story, and, and we talked about that last week, and tell your life before the cross, just in a minute or two, tell, tell, tell people what happened at the cross, like it's so easy to put this together, at the cross, like when you, when you actually made a decision for Jesus, what fundamentally did you do, what changed, talk about post the cross, what, what, how your life has changed now, and then talk about the future in terms of eternity and your hope for that, how easy is that, pre the cross, at the cross, post the cross, eternal, and just, just that's kind of what Paul did in the book of Acts when he would tell his story before various people. And so the third thought I wanted to bring you to, the new thought in today, and then moving on to something completely different in this text, is just seed the gospel. If I'm going to go and make disciples, obviously central to that is to seed the gospel. This, the, 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 really, when you think about all of Christianity, this is the simple thing at the center of everything. This is what made the church revolutionary. This is what still makes the church revolutionary. This is it. If nothing else happens, but this happens, the gospel, the Bible says, has the power to change the human heart. It has the power to transform a human life. It has transformed civilization as we know it. I mean, the great country that we live in much as some might want us to move away from it right now, the great country that we live in was built on a foundation that was largely informed by Christianity. When you think about healthcare, when you think about education, when you think about the way we have treated people, equality is not a 21st century idea made up by the left. Equality is a first century idea that didn't exist until Jesus turned up on the scene and his church might have stuffed it up, but he was the originator of it. And so as we sit here, he says, all of that's great, but at the center of everything is the gospel and the gospel has the power to change the human life, the human story and all eternity. So if that is the case, how are you and I going to communicate the gospel? Because lots of people, what is going on? Someone's whistling? I'm just assuming they're whistling at me, Ben. Um, So let me give you a simple way, because I know the gospel is daunting to some people. We're going to have an image come up on the screen in a moment. Let me give you a really simple way. Cross equals love. Who says serviette and who says napkins? Let's go. Who says serviette? All the Australians. Who says napkin? All the Americans. It's true, right? I say napkin too, but my wife keeps telling me that napkin is American and serviette is Australian. So what do you do with that? 
you just continue to rebel against the knowledge that is true and you call it a napkin. That's what you do. You <laughs> drive your wife crazy on things that don't matter. But there's a great way, you know, just sitting with anyone because here's what I know about most Christians in this room if you are one today is that many of us have enough credibility in our life, nothing else needs to happen with some of the friendships we have, with some of the trust we've built to communicate to someone the next step, the gospel. And it has the power to change their life forever. In fact, of course, it is the essential in shifting their eternity. And, and so sometimes it can get a bit overwhelming. And so, so cross equals love. Here, it's so simple. Um, cross, the cross. This is, you know, Jesus went to the cross. Now, some of you, listen, just before I go there, some of you are like, Darren, why don't you give us the meat of the word? And I just want to say this. If I give you the meat of the word and we're not, mat- not nailing the message of the gospel... You're missing the point. Come on. You and I don't need to go any deeper today for to be able to live out the faith we have for most of us. But someone needs the gospel for that transformation to take place. And so, so in terms of the cross, in terms of the cross, just, you know, Jesus died at the cross. Well, we all know that. But, but or many of you do. He died at the cross. And, you know, um, uh, this was the problem is what I always say. Guys, this is the problem, you know, our sin. So obviously Jesus took our pace. This is God's solution. And so the cross, our sin, his solution, that's simple. That's all I need to remember. Our sin, his solution, equals love. Hey, you need to know that this whole plan of God, this redemptive plan, this substitutionary sacrifice, Jesus, need to know that it's all motivated by love. You and I can do that, can't we? Hey, listen, the cross equals love and and it was because of our sin, it is God's solution, and the whole deal's motivated by love. Can you do that? I can do that, I think. I think we can all do that. Is it the whole gospel? No. Is it the essence of the gospel? Yes. Is it seed enough for God to do something with it, to convert the human soul and transform the human life? Absolutely. And so just around that, here are a couple of scriptures. One, Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, and then Romans chapter 1. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's interesting, isn't it? Even when I didn't follow Jesus, to me, the cross seems so obvious. All the religions of the world, and I understand that it's not to everybody. The Bible says that. But the idea that God would come in and sort this out for us, it it just always seemed to be obvious to me. I thank God for that because it says it's not from me, it's from him. If If that is obvious to you, thank God for it, that your eyes have been opened to it. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. He's a Next one, it's the power of God. Romans chapter, I think it's chapter one. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew, then the Gentile. It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And so I just think in our, in our lives, 1 Peter chapter three says this, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us all to God. Jesus deals in what we don't deserve. Aren't you thankful for that? It's how he works. It's the ultimate exchange, and I love the simplicity of that hymn for me. It's the ultimate exchange. Aren't you glad if you're a sibling that your brother or sister does the dishwashers for you, dishwashing for you? Aren't you glad about that? Has that ever happened in the history of the world? Has it ever happened in the history of the world? It has. That's amazing. And yet God decides, anyway, that was just a foreign thought, throw that out. At the cross, Jesus is treated as if he has done everything we have done and we are treated as if we have done everything he's done. (laughs) That's a wild thought, isn't it? 
at the cross. And every Christian person this side of heaven is, is sent to every not yet believer this side of eternity. And that's, that's you and I. And I understand how daunting that is for some of us. I understand how overwhelming that is. For, I understand how awkward that can be. And here's what I know is that Peter, when he was confronted by it, didn't do it either. And Jesus built the church on him. But then once he was empowered, something shifted and, and Peter became bold as a lion. And I, I think that for all of us, um, it is something we can grow in. It's something that God strengthens us in. Uh, the Bible says the reason Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came was that, that we might have power for this. So, so we can go there. We can grow into this. If it's a dawning for you, I'd love to pray with you afterwards. The seed of the gospel has the potential to change everything. Now, let me read you this. Mark chapter 5. I don't know if we can get the lights turned down here. That would be wonderful. Thank you. I don't know how much further we can go. But it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, and neither do they light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. We can leave the lights off. Just stay with me for a moment. I'll let you know when they're coming back on. But when you think about that, did it nearly blind you? Right? Stay with me. The light of the world. The Bible says that you and I are like a light in the world. And when it can't be seen, people are lost in a darkness that they can't figure out. And so the Bible comes along and Jesus says to his disciples, he says, hey, you're the light of the world, so let that light shine in the darkness. And I don't know about you, but because we live in, I think, what is a relatively comfortable society for all of the awful things that do go on around us, part of the problem is when the light is dim and the darkness seems lighter than it really is, we think people are okay. But actually, people are in darkness and the Bible says they need the light. And when you and I shine as a light of the world, some people will reject it. That's okay. That's on them. But others will be curious about it and it'll take years for them to come to it. Others are drawn to the light. I was drawn to the light. I just needed a reference point. And then others and all people, if they're willing, God is actually drawing himself to the light. But we're the light of the world and it says, hey, whatever you do, don't put it, don't put it under a lampstand. That wasn't a very good lampstand, was it? <laughs> but even then, you've still got to work out what the light is underneath there. And so I reckon just for you and I, as we go about our weeks and as we go about our lives, remember that you actually are the light of the world. You are the light and the salt everywhere that you go, everywhere that you walk. And you are the reference point that Jesus is trying to point people to. I am the reference point that Jesus is trying to point people to. And by living that life, by, by just living it well and by telling our story and by you know, all those things. We can have the lights back on. Thanks so much, guys, up the back for adjusting. And, and, and so for you and for I, here's the other thought that, that you know, in terms of this, it can, it can feel a bit over, 
overwhelming, but just taking what I'm passionate about and giving it higher purpose. So if you've been around this, no secret to you, I like going to the gym. It's not always evident, but I actually love going to the gym. And uh, I used to have a home gym, and I like the home gym, because there's a time when I don't have to think, I don't have to talk to anyone, I can watch Netflix. I mean, I like people, but sometimes you just want to be left alone, don't you? And I said to Brian, hey, let's, I need to renew my gym membership because my world becomes more and more insular and I want to be amongst people who don't believe like me, don't think like me, don't live like me, so I might be a light somewhere. I mean, I didn't use the word light, but what are you, what are you passionate about? It actually doesn't take any shift to who we are and what we do. It's just a shift in the paradigm of seeing the world through. And, and so what, what are you passionate about? Take that and go and be a light amongst it. What season are you in? in? You in. What season are you in? I was seeing how when I was 21, um, I used to go to a friend of mine. He played NRL with Tony Casado. He's a good footballer. And he and I used to go to things like the skate park and talk to teenagers about Jesus, right? And I'm still amazed how open they were. I would wear my Macquarie Fields Hawks grand final jacket and because um, and I knew that it would connect with rough kids. Oh, you're from Macquarie Fields. And I'd immediately open them up. Either that or they were scared enough that they would just listen because <laughs> of what they feared might happen, which was nothing. But if I go to the skate park now, <laughs> right, who knows? Uh, the season of life that we're in has an opportunity that we might never have again. Yeah. So let's just take it. Let's not feel, Jesus said, my, my, light, my yoke is light, my, my burdens is easy, back to front. And he, he said, learn my rhythms and my great. And I, I, this is not to make you stress and freak out. This is to go, hey, let's just, let's just ask God to help us wherever we go. So just take that you know, in your season of life, and that's kind of the thought there. Got that? Now, here's the other thought in the seven minutes that I've got. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Help them, sorry, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And I've got a whole talk ready on that, but we're not doing that. And, and teaching them to obey everything. And I, I want to skip to this because this is huge. Teaching them to obey everything. Everything. Um, that I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the end of the age. I just want to spend a few minutes here on this because I feel like this is the game changer in people's lives as we be disciples, as we raise disciples. Um, in times gone by, the church was so heavy that they made people feel condemned about every mistake they made. But in the time we live, in the kind of church we are, we don't really, it's not really a big, I don't think it's a big issue. In, in times gone by, we had a church weighed down by law but in the day we live, we probably got a church that's deceived by what I would call license, which says live however the hell you want, as long as you believe. And I would suggest to you that that life is taking more people to a lost eternity. And so the Bible says, believe, be baptized, obey all things. There's a headline for making and being a disciple. So it's that simple, hey? I feel like I can live that. And so the Bible comes along and says, obey all things that I have commanded you. And so, so I just want to give you a few thoughts on that today. Obey all things. Um, learning the art of delight and right. Um, you, there are times when, most of the time, when Jesus just said he delighted in doing the Father's will. But one time at the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, I don't want to do this. 
But nevertheless, God, your will be done. Jesus has his preference, but he determines to do God's will. So there, there are times when it's absolutely Jesus' pure delight to do the Father's will. And, and that's the easy part, right? Oh, God, you want me to marry Bronwyn Hillary Bunnell? Oh, okay. I'm up for that. I don't know if she still is, but... And then there are other times when there's no delight, it's just the right thing to do. And, and we live in a culture that would suggest or whisper to us that, that you don't need to really pay a whole lot of attention to that. But we don't really believe that. If my kids, no names mentioned, no $5 this week, if my kids do the right thing out of pure joy or because it's right, both are good, both are right, both are worthy, both are blessed, both can be trusted, they're both good. And sometimes you and I do it out of pure delight and sometimes we do it just because it's right. Jesus lived that way. We, we, in, we intuitive know, intuitively know that with a kid. If they say, well, Dad, I don't feel pure joy or pure delight around making my bed today, I don't go, oh, okay. No, that's a good idea. Do what you want. No, of course not. What I'm looking for is a right spirit regardless of the fact that their heart's not quite there. Because what that does, it aligns their heart and that's powerful in their lives. And, and so when Jesus comes along and he tells us to do this, it, this really sets them up. It's worthy, it's good, it produces, it produces fruit without fallout. It, 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 it has God's favour attached to it, it builds God's trust in us, which is a cool idea that not only do we put our trust in God, but he could actually be able to trust us. And so there's no substitute, I've written here, there's no substitute for obedience. Some of you will remember the Old Testament king, Saul. We're going to go to it, but I'll summarize for you. Saul had everything going on. God's hand of blessing was upon him and favor and anointing and power and all of that kind of thing. And yet Saul, the Bible says, the prophet Samuel comes along one day and he points Saul out and he says, hey, Saul, you haven't done what God asked you to do. And Saul goes, yeah, sure I did. I went and did this, dot, dot, dot. And Saul gives him the reason and Samuel says, no, no. No, no. Obedience is better than sacrifice, Saul. You've done what you wanted to do. And then you've made it sound like you did what God wanted. What's incredible about Saul is that actually he sacrificed heavily. He, he sacrificed heavily. Like he, he actually put his life and his men's life at stake in a sacrificial way. But he did it on his terms, which took all the... That's crazy, right? It's crazy that someone would go to extreme lengths to sacrifice, but would just hold on to their own agenda. And that's what he did. And so it's obedience, not sacrifice, that gets it done. It's obedience and not sacrifice that is liberating. It's obedience, not sacrifice, that brings his favor. It's obedience and not sacrifice that has, um, has fruit without fallout. And God wants that for all of, our, all of our lives. And so I just think in our lives, let's be those kinds of people, that we would be the kind of people that God's agenda is, is our agenda, um, um, sacrifice is a wonderful addition to obedience, but it's a poor substitution. Think about it. If you're married today, this afternoon we substitute your husband out for me. That's a really bad example I thought of on the run. <laughs> Let's forget that example, okay? <laughs> Let's forget it. I was going to make you good and me bad. Let's forget that. You get the idea, right? So let's road test it. Let's road test it. You ready to road test obedience? Really? You ready? I, I, I want to give you, uh, I think it's one of the most, and again, I'm honest with you, I haven't liberated the art of this, but, but I'm, in my heart, I'm, 
I want to be up for this. And so here's a really easy way to road test this obedience, a really great next step. I think it's liberating. I think it, it's full of faith. I think it's pioneering. I think it's really, it's just this kind of thing. Listen to it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. What a great next step in obedience. Hey, I'm just going to trust the Lord with all my heart. And, and here's where the tension comes. The tension comes where trusting the Lord with all my heart collides with my own understanding. And this is where the power is. This is The power is here in the decision we make in this moment, right? It's there when we go, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you. My, my thinking's kind of different on this, but I'm going to trust you at your word. I'm going to do what Jesus said. I'm going to be one who obeys you. I want to go for this. I want to live for you. And so let me give you an example because it only takes two verses for the Bible to go there with an example of what trust in the Lord with all our heart, not leaning on our own understanding will look like. You ready? Remember, this is a liberating truth if you get hold of it, but this is just an example of how it works. Two verses later, honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crop. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will bring with new wine. Trust in the Lord with all my heart or lean on my own understanding. One is liberating. One is powerful in our lives. One is a game changer on our future. And the other just limits us with a ceiling on our lives as we trust in our own humanity over his. And so my prayer, my hope for you today is that we would be the kind of people who would be disciples and be raising disciples and that obedience would be the paradigm in which we live through because in it is God's liberating power in your life and mine. In Jesus' name, amen. There goes my alarm. Why don't we stand? Mighty God, thank you for every person here. We absolutely, Lord, um, want to be believing followers. What Jesus speaks, we want to be listeners to. What Jesus did, we want to do. And where he led, that's leads with, that's where we want to go. And so I pray it'd help all of us today, God, and to be a light in the world. I pray it'd help all of us today to be those who trust in you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Leaning not on our own understanding, I pray, Lord, we acknowledge you in all of our ways right now. We pray strength into every person's life, faith that rises, hope that rises, courage that comes to live the way you called us to. I pray it wouldn't be overwhelming or intimidating, God, but this would be a liberating step for people to take in their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.